Arsenal are said to be one of a number of clubs interested in Fulham's Tosin Adarabioyo this summer. We'll be discussing that story and a number of others involving our club. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you all. Hope everybody's good. Hope everybody's feeling okay. Hope everybody's not uh, too hungover from the weekend. And I don't mean hungover in a drinking sense. I mean, you know, just Monday mornings in general. They're a little bit difficult, aren't they? They're a little bit tough uh, to sort of get going in. And I mean, I've had about four coffees so far this morning and I still don't feel uh, in top form. Just and and you know what baffles me the most about it is that I had probably the longest sleep I've had in ages. Solid 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. job. It's been a while since I've done one of those, uh, but I've done it and I actually probably feel worse for it. Um, woken up this morning to a number of Arsenal related transfer stories, a number of Arsenal related discussion points as well that seem to be uh, quite hot on the social media platforms at the moment. So we're going to discuss uh, a number of those things throughout the show. But I want to start off, as I say, with the big one or the big story, depending on how you how you look at it. Um, but looking at the story with regards to Arsenal's alleged interest in Fulham's Tosin Adarabioyo. Um, we'll call him Tosin because I'm not very good with the surname. Uh, but Tosin is being linked with a move to the Emirates Stadium. Now, just to give you a little bit of context as to where the report has come from, uh, perhaps the validity of it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the report has come uh, from The Athletic. It was in David Ornstein's column this morning. Um, of course, The Athletic is behind the paywall, so I will touch on the key points for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to read the full story. But as David Ornstein says, the story was broken or, or was reported uh, by Peter Rutzler, who reports on Fulham for The Athletic. This is what uh, the story says, basically the gist of it. I'm not going to read it all word for word. But apparently Arsenal and Newcastle United are among the clubs to have expressed an interest in the Fulham defender. It's understood that the 23-year-old is open to leaving Craven Cottage this summer after Fulham were relegated back to the Championship last week. He's made 31 appearances in the Premier League so far this season and has formed a key part of a new-look defence that looks set to be broken up this summer. Fulham are poised to lose uh, a number of loanees after their relegation, including Joe Chim Anderson and Ola Aina, who, of course, are expected to return to their parent clubs. Uh, Tosin signed for Fulham from Manchester City on deadline day last October, ending an 18-year association with the Premier League champion. So came through the ranks uh, at Manchester City. Uh, he joined Fulham for an initial fee of £1.5 million, rising to two mil with add-ons. And the cut price deal also featured a 20% sell-on clause. So Manchester City would stand to receive 20% of any fee that Arsenal or anybody else uh, is willing to pay for him. Uh, so, yeah. 
that's that's basically the gist of the story. It also goes on to talk about there being interest in the player uh, from Germany as well. Uh, don't know exactly who that club might be, but Arsenal and Newcastle have been named as two of the clubs keeping tabs on the player. Of course, Steve Bruce was was quoted as saying uh, last week ahead of their game against Manchester City that there were already plans ongoing behind the scenes at Newcastle United ahead of the summer transfer window when he was sort of talking about his future. He wanted to make that point and make it clear that he is involved in uh, in their their recruitment plans ahead of the summer. You'd figure that even Arsenal in their current state would be a, a more appealing proposition uh, to to a young player like Tosin than, than Newcastle would, you know, both financially, both in terms of what you stand to achieve. So I think that, you know, if we did go head to head with Newcastle, I don't think that would be a problem. But I guess the big question and the big thing that Arsenal fans are wondering about is, is Tosin good enough? For this level, would he be an upgrade on some of the options that we already have? Now, without saying too much, because I don't want to give it away, we've got a members video dropping uh, tomorrow in which I basically go through all our defensive options and go through a bin or keep um, exercise. And um, so I don't want to give too much away on that video. If you want to become a member so you get access to that tomorrow afternoon, all you need to do is click on the link in the description, check out the membership propositions and our platinum members um, will get access to that video. Um, I'll make it available for gold members as well on this occasion. So do, uh, if you are interested, check that out, have a look, see what you, you think. And it would obviously really uh, support the channel. But that video is dropping tomorrow. So I don't want to go into too much detail, but we've got a number of centre-backs out on loan at the moment. You know, William Saliba, somebody who Arsenal spent huge money on couple of summers ago. We've got Gostandinos Mavrobanos, who is currently on loan in Germany. Will he return? I think we can all pretty much safely say that, that William Saliba will. Talked about worries and concerns over whether his relationship with Arteta has taken, I guess, too much of a battering. You know, the, the pair clearly didn't see eye to eye about Saliba's next step, about him moving back to France again. They didn't see clearly eye to eye at the decision of, of him being left out of the squad for the first part of the campaign and then having to move on, you know, in the January window, et cetera, et cetera. So you do wonder how that's going to pan out, how that relationship is going to develop going forward. Can they put sort of the water under the bridge, as it were, and, and move on or, or will it continue to play a part in their working relationship going forward? I don't know. As with Mavrobanos, he's a player that a lot of people like. I like the fact that he's really raw. Um, I like the fact that he's really passionate. I've talked about him in the past as being a typical Greek centre-half. And when I say that, I mean someone who's physically strong, physically very committed, but perhaps technically lacking a little bit. And I do believe that is the case with Mavrobanos. But I'm also hearing um, from from some people in Greece who, who work on one of the leading uh, radio stations that... He is not actually that keen on a return to Arsenal Football Club unless he's going to be guaranteed a place in the first team. And I don't think he's good enough to be guaranteed a place in the first team. So when you take that into consideration, the fact that his future is unclear, the fact that David Luiz um, is, is likely to leave the club this summer as well, or is set to leave the club this summer as well, it's not a complete surprise to me that Arsenal are looking 
at another central defensive option. Whether Tosin is the right man, though, that is what remains to be seen. So you look at Fulham's campaign this season, right? And you look at Tosin's role in particular. He's been in the starting 11 on 97% uh, of the occasions in the Premier League. 97%. He's played 96% of their total minutes. Uh, he's not come up with a goal or anything like that. But for a centre-half, you know, that's not that's not something I would say that you really probably uh, should be judging him on. But... You know, I've I've sort of sat there and talked in recent weeks on not on this channel, but on other shows I've done, uh, particularly on our VSync commentaries where we've covered Fulham, you know, quite extensively. I've talked a lot about the fact that I don't really get um, the hype around Scott Parker's side, and I, and I don't. What I will say though is where you cannot deny they've been quite good is is defensively, and they've really improved on that since the start of the season. And I'm just looking at the Premier League table now, and you see Fulham down in 18th. They've conceded 50 goals. That's 20 less than West Brom in 19th. It's 12 less than Sheffield United, who finished bottom. Brighton have, you know, a slightly uh, better defensive record. They've only conceded 42. But Newcastle. Burnley, Southampton, Palace, Leeds have all conceded more goals than Fulham this season. So if you're going to give Fulham one bit of credit, one little bit of credit this season, you have to give it to their defence. I think what that's done and and the fact that that Fulham have tried to play in a more uh, you know pragmatic way has led to them being really blunt in attack. There's no getting away from that. They've only scored 26 goals this season. Um, that is the lowest in the Premier League. So, you know, I think that what they've done by adding a third centre-back in there, Scott Parker's tried to make them more competitive, tried to make them more robust, and actually it's had a detrimental effect further on in the pitch. But Tosin's been part of a pretty decent defensive unit. Is he somebody, though, that had this report not been doing the rounds today, I'd even be discussing as an Arsenal option? And to be quite honest and to be quite frank, he's not. Because I don't particularly rate the guy. I think he's comfortable on the ball. Um, but again, admittedly, the games that I've covered of Fulham this season have been when he's been quite, uh, when it's been Fulham sort of struggling to break down a, a mid to lower league, not lower league, a mid to lower table side. Um, so I guess that's difficult to judge him on. I, th- I think one of the best things about him is his physical presence. He's six foot five. He's absolutely huge. Um, really powerful in the air, uh, quite strong in the challenge as well, which is all things that you like to see in a centre-half. But I'm not sure about this. It doesn't fill me with any excitement. And I know, you know, we talk a lot about this summer being really, really important. You know, I I just, when I look at somebody like Tosin, it isn't an option that makes me go, whoa, that is someone I want. I can see a lot of you have spoke, uh, speaking in the chat about Joachim Anderson, his colleague, who a lot of people have been quite impressed with this season in Fulham colours. Anderson is on loan from Olympic Lyonnais in France, 24 years old. Uh, not sure what what his future holds, but I think he's probably a little bit more complete, Anderson, in terms of I think he distributes the ball really well out from the back. Um but what I would say is, you know, again, we're not talking about players that are really sort of jumping out as me, at me as players that I would say are ready to come in and, you know, help turn this club's fortunes around. I'd rather Saliba gets more game time 
than he's already going to get, um, then we go and buy one of these players. I mean, with uh, Tosin, there is a relationship that already exists between him and Mikel Arteta. Of course, as I mentioned earlier on, he has come up through the ranks at Manchester City and he would have had opportunities to work with Mikel Arteta. So the pair know each other. Mikel Arteta knows what he is all about. What's the price going to be for somebody like Tosin? Well, we don't know because we know uh, from this athletic report that there is a clause, a buyout clause in his contract. I think if I'm reading between the lines, that's probably as a result of Fulham being relegated. How much is that buyout clause? Well, if you look at transfer markets value of the player, they value him at around about nine million pounds. Let's say for argument's sake, and it is just for argument's sake, that we're looking at 10 million pounds. Can we really afford to spend 10 million pounds on someone that we're not really excited about or not entirely convinced can come in and do a job. I mean, look, but funds are going to be tough, right? Funds are going to be hard to come by. The budget's going to be tight. And as a result of that, you got to spend the money wisely. So I get on the one hand, people might be looking at Tosin and going, well, he's had a pretty decent Premier League campaign. He's young, 23 years old, probably has got the potential to develop further. But the problem is at Arsenal Football Club, we need improvements now, not two, three years down the line. And I don't know, look, I I can't rule out Tosin coming to Arsenal and and being a good squad option. But when you look at what we've currently got, right, you look at Rob Holding, is he an upgrade on Rob Holding? A lot of people don't rate Rob Holding, right? But you can't categorically say that Tosin is already better than Rob Holding. You can't categorically say he's an improvement on Pablo Marie, certainly isn't an improvement on Gabriel certainly isn't an improvement um, on David Luiz. I know he's leaving, but what I'm talking about is raising the level. We need to raise the level. The only thing I would say, and this is the only thing I would say, kind of in defence of the Tosin signing, is that when you look at Arsenal's problems this season, actually defence isn't the problem. It isn't the issue. Yeah, there have been some individual errors, but Arsenal have only conceded 38 goals this season. 38 goals. There are only one. Two, just having a look. There are only a couple of sides that have conceded less goals in the Premier League than us. So defence is not Arsenal's issue. So if you can get this guy on a cheap deal with a view to him improving, bolstering the squad and, and taking his game up to the next level as we continue this rebuild, then I'm not dead against it. But that's with the caveat of we have to do other business and we have to improve the more urgent areas. Obviously, losing David Luiz is a blow. I I genuinely believe that. A lot of people disagree. A lot of people are glad to see the back of him. I disagree with that because I do firmly believe that David Luiz is still, at this point, as of today, the 17th of May 2021, Arsenal's best central defender. I know that says a lot about the rest of the team as individuals, but as a unit, Arsenal when they cut out the, the the silly mistakes, which I know we've blown it out of proportion as Arsenal fans, but when you look at the, how many errors we've made leading directly to goals in the Premier League, it isn't actually as bad as it's been in previous seasons. And it isn't as bad as some of the other Premier League clubs who we'd, I guess, automatically feel do that less than Arsenal. So we have to get out of this mindset of always blaming Arsenal's defence every time Arsenal 
fail to achieve what it is they want to achieve. The reality is that this season, that hasn't been the biggest issue. Could we have done better in certain moments from a defensive standpoint? Absolutely. But defence is not Arsenal's biggest problem this season. So if Tosin is someone available for a low fee who would come in and be a squad player with the ability to go on to develop and improve us, I'm not dead against it. But as Matt said in the live chat, it is not by any stretch of the imagination the kind of transfer that would excite me. It really, really isn't. I, I really don't see it. Um, you know, and I, and I can't, as much as I try and talk myself into the idea of this being a smart move on Arsenal's part, I just I, I just can't see it. I think we have far more pressing concerns than centre-back. I think we, we need to sign full-backs on both sides. I think we need to improve in that central midfield area. You know, the futures of Genduzi, Torreira up in the air. Danny Ceballos is going to head back to Real Madrid. So there are lots of areas, I believe, that Arsenal need to focus on first. But, you know, I'm not against this signing if it is one that is in addition to the other bits and pieces we need. It cannot be one of our landmark signings of the summer. It cannot be the signing that we all look at and go, yeah, you know, that's our big one this year. No, it can't be. Um, and I think we can all agree on that. A lot of you kind of talking about Mikel Arteta's approach to the game and the fact that we maybe don't attack as much as we should. And that's why the defence has improved. Yeah, but, you know, that is part and parcel of improving a team as a defensive unit, right? The, the most important thing, or the most difficult thing, I should say, for a manager to do is to strike that balance. It, you know, it's very easy to be lopsided in terms of being very good at one end of the pitch and not at the other. But it is about Arsenal finding that balance. And I think that Mikel Arteta, after Christmas, has tried to find that balance a little bit more frequently. I think he has found that balance a little bit more successfully overall since Christmas. I know there have been some really bad results, but you you know I know that that, that Premier League table was being banded about since Christmas. And the improvements there on paper for everybody to see. So whether you want to accept it or not, you know, Arsenal have improved since the first half of the season. I know it's still not good enough, but there has been an uplift since that Christmas period. And and, I, and people will say we haven't improved. Inter says in the chat, we haven't improved at all in 18 months. All we've done is part of the bus. That's simply not true because the, the points tally shows a big improvement from where we were at in the first half of the season. So, it's not enough progress and we certainly need to see more of it, but it is there. And the defensive side of it is not my biggest worry at the moment. Actually, I think that we need to sort out what's going to happen in our attacking midfield positions. You know, is Martin Odegaard staying? Is he going? We need to address that. You know, Willian could potentially be going as well um, from what we were discussing yesterday. So are we going to bring someone in to, to bring in Willian? Do we sacrifice being a a player less. If we're not in Europe, then you can do that, of course. So yeah, I mean, there's loads. Um, you know, there's there's loads of work to be done at Arsenal, right? There's no getting away from that. Just going back to the Tosin thing, though, does it excite me? No, absolutely, it does not. Is he someone that I'm desperate for the Gunners to sign? No, absolutely not. But you know, I, I think we've, you know, what we've done at the moment we, we've got into this mode where we're we're obviously outraged by the way this season's gone and I, I completely get that I am too but now we're kind of like 
waiting for the ownership to not do what they say they're going to do so that we can pounce on that as well. And I've got a lot of qualms with the ownership. I've got a lot of anger towards them. I've got a lot of frustrations with them. Um, what I'm not doing is getting my hopes up and getting my expectations up because they're not going to go and throw 150, 200 million pound at a summer and say to Mikel Arteta, here you go, mate, go and rebuild that team. Go and build this team the way you want it to be. It simply isn't going to happen. With every season that we're not in the Champions League, the amount of money that we're able to spend on players without selling decreases. And you've got to be understanding of that. You know, for me, I don't care if we sign a centre-back who's £10 million pounds or £100 million. Pounds. What I care about is, is he fit for purpose? Is he someone that complements the team? Is he someone that comes in... Um, and and improves us. And Arsene Wenger in years gone by picked out players that came in and improved us for, for little funds. Obviously made a lot of mistakes as well, as does any manager. But I'm not getting caught up in this toasting stuff because I don't believe that centre-back is the major priority this summer. Contrary to what the reports say, it cannot be the first port of call. I think this is a convenient link being made because Arsenal are probably going to look at the option of bringing in a centre-back in light of the news that David Luiz is going. And Tosin's existing relationship with Mikel Arteta makes this a fit. It makes this a fit for the story. I'm not denying that whoever's reported it, you know, the original um, reporter here, Peter Rutzler, has probably received some information, been tipped off about an inquiry perhaps. But I do think Arsenal will look to do other business first. And so I'm not going to lose my shit about this one just yet. Will he be a good signing? Don't know. Will he be a bad signing? Don't know. Will he be an okay signing? Probably. That's where I am on, on this. And and look, if it's in addition to doing the business that we desperately need, he's someone who's shown some signs of promise. But. We need to do more in the transfer window. And and it's very difficult, isn't it? To, you know, we're, we're hearing about Arsenal needing to go through this rebuild. And then, you know, prior to the season even ending, we're, we're obviously being linked with players. And when we get linked with players, we get linked with a centre-back from a side who have just been relegated. And, and, and that's that. And everybody gets frustrated and everybody gets wound up. I think with transfer windows, it's really, really important to remain calm and then judge them at the end of the window. Because if you remember, we looked like we were going to miss out on Hussemawa, which we did. And then it looked like we weren't going to get anyone in and bang, transfer deadline day, Thomas Partey come through the door. And regardless of how his performances have been this season, nobody can deny they were excited about it. We all were. So, yeah, um, let's see. I'm not overly enthused by Tosin. I'm not dead against it either. Um Obviously, we don't know the figures that are being talked about and we don't know, you know, how he would be viewed in terms of what his role within the squad would be. So I'd, I'd, I'd urge people to stay a little bit sort of calm on this one. I totally appreciate it isn't a signing that excites, a signing that excites, sorry. But let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, let's go over to the live chat box. Get your questions in. I want to hear from you guys. Uh, we'll touch on uh, some of that. Um, between now and the end of the stream, got around about 
eight, nine minutes left. So get your questions in the chat box and I'll come to those in a moment. Just a quick reminder, though, that this show is brought to you by Manscaped. So if you head over to manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs and you enter our discount code, which is 90min20, you will receive uh, 20% off as well as free shipping on your order. Uh, that is wherever you are in the world. So head over to Manscaped. We thank them for their very, very kind support and sponsorship of the podcast. Uh, so if you're in need of some grooming, particularly in the important region, particularly with lockdown uh, easing, particularly if you're looking to go out on the pool, then head over to manscaped.com. Uh, get yourself well equipped uh, with some of their fantastic products. As I say, enter the discount code 90min20 and you will get uh, free shipping as well as 20% off of your order. So you stand to save yourself a fair bit of money. Right, let's go back uh, to the transfer talk. And and there's a couple of questions in the chat. I'll give you a couple more moments uh, to add to get some more in. Um, and I'll, I'll come to those in a second. But I just want to quickly touch on one more thing that I've seen being quite heavily discussed on um on social media over the last 24 hours. And that is the reports linking Arsenal with a move uh, for Ryan Bertrand announced that he's going to be leaving Southampton at the end of the season, 31 year old left back who, as I said on yesterday's show, has won the Champions League, has won the UEFA Cup. I've seen a lot of people really turning their noses up at that one. Like on what planet do people live where they think that Arsenal can go out this summer and spend 20, 25 million pounds on a backup left back? Like, I, I just don't get it. It was the same when we signed Cedric. It was the same when we brought in Pablo Marie. We are, There's a difference between signing squad players and players that you believe are going to come in and, and change the fortunes of your first team. There is a massive difference in that. And in Ryan Bertrand, you'd be bringing in a left back, right? You've also got to consider that whoever you do sign has to accept they're going to play second fiddle to Kieran Tierney. How many top world-class left backs want that? Not very many. So what I'm saying is we know that funds are going to be tight. We know that we're going to have to get creative in the transfer market. And we're going to have to accept that sometimes we're going to have to shop in bargain hunters to get the players that we need, um, you know, to, to continue the overhaul of the squad. And I don't think Bertrand it is a bad option. I really, really don't. Um, so I don't really understand the snobbery towards that one. Let's go over to the chat. Steve Stone says, Harry, do you feel this upcoming transfer window is the most important in Arsenal's recent history? Um, it has the potential to be, Steve. It really does, because we've been in a steady decline for years and years and years because of poor recruitment. But now we're in a much more rapid decline. And that can only be stopped by, in my opinion, getting rid of some of the players who just aren't up there, just aren't good enough, just aren't up to the standard required, whose attitudes are not quite right. And bringing in players who are going to help overhaul this this team and, and turn us back around on this slippery road and put us back in the direction that we need to be going in. So it could be, it has the potential to be, but if there's very little activity, then it's difficult to, to say that as well. So we've got to see how it pans out. But in answer to your question, mate, absolutely has the potential to be huge. Uh, Matt says, Harry, can you please lie to me and say we're linked with Grealish, Brendia, Bissouma and Messi on a free Hey, Matt, they're all arriving tomorrow. I've heard from someone at the club that the photographers have been called in. <laughs> uh, Moss 52 says, let's forget about Tosin. Who do you fancy we go and get for the midfield, Harry? 
Um, midfield is a tough one because it's really dependent on what the future holds for Matteo Guendouzi and Granite Xhaka, in my opinion. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I'll say that because, number one, you need to buy players that complement your system. And Granite Xhaka, I think, plays a, a good role in a defensive midfield pivot. So in that two that he's been playing in throughout the, the majority of the season. And I think that Matteo Genduzzi can probably do a job there as well. I think what we're probably missing in midfield is someone who's a bit of a... So so we'll have two holders in, in Guendouzi and Xhaka. Or, or holders might be the wrong word, but two players who like to start from a deeper position. But then you've got Partey who wants to be box-to-box, -box, although that hasn't always been the case this season. And then I think you need another one like that. You need someone who can get forward a little bit more, get involved in the play a little bit more. Um, and and so I think it's dependent on what way Mikel Arteta wants to go with his team and with the philosophy. And the worry is that, you know, even at this point, we're still not 100%. You know, I thought he'd settled on the 4-2-3-1 and then he starts ch changing it again. And you're like, well, I don't know anymore. So I think Mikel Arteta has got to make a decision on that. I know a lot of people are talking about Yves Bissouma, uh, physically excellent. I, I'm not sure he's quite at a level we want technically um, and, and we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, if Arsenal do get him over the line, then I know a lot of Arsenal fans will be pleased, but I do think as with any signing, there's still an element of risk to that. I would argue though that Bissouma and Partey at his best are kind of a similar profile of player. And, um, you know, will Mikel Arteta see that as a good thing? Will he see it as that's the way you build a squad? You you have the right profiles and you have two of that profile, two of the other uh, midfield profile, or will he see that as a reason not to sign him? I, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. But uh, as I say, dropping a couple of members videos this week, the first of which focuses on the defence and the second one, uh, focuses on the midfield and I've drawn up some options there. So I don't want to spoil it, uh, but it will be coming out in the next few days. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll share that with you guys then. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's pick up a few more of your questions. Um, da -da 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 -da. Uh, Moss 52 also says Poundland. Hey, Harry, love Poundland. Get some great stuff in there. Uh, you really do. Uh, Inter says, uh, how is signing Bertrand a rebuild? To me, it's just covering holes while still declining like we've been doing for years. Yeah, but you can't, some to, to rebuild something, you have to fix the problems first. You have to try and fix the leaks. And the leak in this Arsenal team or the weakness in this Arsenal structure, when you look at the defence right now, one of the big uh, sort of weaknesses is the left-back position because we've seen without Kieran Tierney, we have a serious bloody problem there. Bertrand will be a free transfer. It's not going to cost us anything. It shouldn't hinder us in going out and doing other business. And that's kind of my point about it. You know, he's someone who you can bring in and rely on, who you can bring in and trust, just like you can trust Cedric at right back. You've not been able really to trust him at left back and 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 that's been difficult for him. But to have Cedric as a backup right back and Bertrand as a backup left back, I think puts the squad in pretty good shape. So I'm not really seeing why so many people are anti it. I'm really not. 
Uh, Xander says, uh, regardless of rumours, do you think with the club rehiring scouts, it will give you some confidence of our summer window? Maybe, um, maybe. I think, you know, the scouting approach is, or, or the way that teams go about scouting players nowadays is a lot more, um, is a lot more complex than it's ever been. The stats that they use, the way that they judge players, the way that they try and uh, look at individual aspects of their games. I know a lot of, and from speaking to, I'm very lucky that I've got uh, a very close friend who works um, as a scout and is hired by clubs on a sort of contractor basis during uh, transfer windows or or in the lead up to transfer windows. And he's given briefs of players that, not players specifically, but given briefs in terms of a player profile that he's to go out and look for. And we've had loads of conversations about how it all works. So knowing that there is a bit more due diligence going on in the background ahead of that is obviously uh, something that you should take confidence from. But ultimately, that will be judged, won't it? Um, or the results of that will, will will determine whether this was a good decision or not. So we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, you you know, you can certainly take some confidence from the fact um, that, you know, Arsenal seem to be quite keen uh, to improve in terms of the recruitment policy and in terms of the process that leads up to that. So let's see. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to pick out one more. Um, Aaron says, is Xhaka more suited to a defensive team in the Swiss team? He's their best player. Xhaka has limitations, right? I've never shied away from that, despite people thinking that I'm, you know, super pro Mikela, super pro Granite Xhaka. I'm not. I just think he gets a rough ride from some of our supporters and a lot of the time when he's actually not been the issue. So does he does he work better in a defensive team? Maybe. I think he is someone who thrives in a certain position. And when you take him out of that position, then you're putting him into a, into uncomfortable circumstances. For example, putting him in at left back has been, has been an issue for him. Playing him in that defensive midfield role on the left of a double pivot does him really good. And he's been Arsenal's most consistent midfielder this season. I don't care what anybody says, no matter how much you dislike Xhaka, there is no getting away from that fact. It is a fact. Granite Xhaka throughout the course of the season has been Arsenal's most consistent midfield player. And the minute you take him out of that position and you try to put him elsewhere, then those limitations are, are, are there for all to see again. And that's bad management for me. That's bad management. It really is. And it's one of the things I've become a little bit disillusioned with Mikel Arteta over in the last few months. You knew that he was proving so key in the middle of the park. You knew that he was... Um, you know, important in terms of what we were doing, in terms of the way we built play, receiving the ball from our centre-backs and getting the ball moving. And then you take him out of it at the most crucial business end of the season and then you start pissing around with him at left-back. To me, that that didn't make sense. It really didn't. Uh, RJ says, Harry, do you think Garlic coming in, Richard Garlic, of course, that is, would stop our disastrous history of letting decent players leave for free? Possibly, mate, but... um. You know, again, he's not someone I know a great deal about, and it's very, very difficult. Uh, you know, to it is very, very difficult to to know what sort of an impact he's going to have without any sort of case study, uh, really. So let's see. Um, question, Matt goes, question one, two, or three. Which would you make you the most excited going into the new season? One, a marquee signing, two, a new manager, 
or three, a new owner. I think a new owner for me, because I think that is the crux of all of our issues, right? The lack of ambition at the top has seen us steadily decline as a football club um, and allow certain managers to stay at the club for too long um, and allow poor recruitment to, to happen under his nose. So, yeah. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Um, Jack Burgess says, Harry Xhaka has to go. Surely he's been telling people he wants to leave. First of all, Jack, I wouldn't believe everything that you read in the media. Um, number one, we know he was close to leaving before. But, you know, Granite Xhaka's reasons, if he does indeed want to leave Arsenal, could be nothing to do with football, right? They could be absolutely nothing to do with football. The guy spent lots of time in Germany. He has faced dog's abuse here in this country by supposedly our own fans. He goes out and he gets people coming up to him and criticizing him and abusing him. His wife, who's a lovely lady, by the way, has been on the receiving end of abuse. He's had comments and things sent to him about his kids. You can forgive the guy for not feeling completely engaged with a football club whose fans, and I say that with my, in quotation, fans take such pleasure in, in hurling abuse at him. Honestly, it... I I met Granite Xhaka, right, maybe about a year and a half ago in a restaurant, in a in a restaurant, a Greek restaurant local to me. Um, I was in there and I was sitting having a meal with my family and in walked Granite Xhaka with about five or six mates. And they came and sat on the table next to us. And, you know, you're, you're there as a as a as a Arsenal fan and you're a little bit starstruck, you know, you keep glancing to your right, you know, Granite Xhaka's next to me, Granite Xhaka's next to me, but you don't want to go over and be that annoying guy. That oh, Granite, Granite, tell me what's going on at Arsenal. Granite, Granite, what's happening? Granite, can I get a picture? You don't want to do that unless the opportunity presents itself, right? I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I wanted to get a picture with Granite Xhaka. Obviously, I wanted to shake his hand, et cetera, et cetera. And um, Granite Xhaka got up to leave and kind of looked over and I sort of gave him a little bit of a nod and he said, how are you? And I said, hi, Granite, big Arsenal fan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I said, would you mind uh, a photo with my little one, whatever? And he was like, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Took a picture. Um, and he was the nicest guy. Like, honestly, like when you consider how much shit he gets from our fans he doesn't know if i'm one of those guys that abuses him that gives him this that gives him that that takes pleasure in in calling him out on social media at every bloody opportunity even when he's not the problem and that made me th whenever i think about the abuse that he receives i always think back to that moment and i think you know why should someone get that because the managers played him out of out of position why should someone get that when they're giving their all? Yes, they might not be good enough. And you can say that someone's not good enough without turning abusive, without being an absolute, excuse my language, being an absolute arsehole about it. And our fans don't seem to be able to do that in general when it comes to Granite Xhaka. So if he does want to leave, I wouldn't blame him. And I'd say farewell, wishing him all the best and all the luck in the world for the future because he doesn't deserve the shit that he gets at Arsenal. And, and whatever, whatever he's level is as a player the the crossing of the line has just been completely unacceptable by large portions of our fans and i know it's not everyone but when i say large portions it is a bloody large portion and it's, it's embarrassing 
As Arsenal fans, it's embarrassing to see us treat a player that way. Graham says, I'm with you, Harry. The Partey-Xhaka combo is not the issue at Arsenal. They're one of our strengths. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, let's see. Let me pick out. I'm going to put, I know we're well over time, but let me pick out one more. I'm going to pick out this one uh, from Yo-Yo. He says, does it sadden you to think that a lot of the players who've been rumoured to depart likely won't be Arsenal fans? It saddens me that players want to leave Arsenal for for reasons that are based around the fan base. It does sadden me. When you think about the fact that this is a club who's built on history, tradition, values, um, when you hear about players being unhappy because of not necessarily what's going on on the pitch, but be, or, be, or not because they're going to better themselves, but because of uh, having a difficult relationship um, you know, then, then it does sadden me. Yeah, for sure. It's horrible to see. I'm just going to respond to this one from Inter. He says, why does everyone complain we need a new midfield then if it's not the issue? Well, the issue, Inter, is that Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey can't play every single game in every competition every single week. Thomas Partey's had how many injuries this season? How many times has Thomas Partey been left out? And the problem when we talk about the midfield is that Beyond Xhaka and Partey, there's a massive drop-off in the quality. Do you want to see Mohamed Elneny playing over a sustained period of time? As much as I love the guy's attitude and work rate, he's just not good enough. Wouldn't abuse him, mind you, but he's just not good enough. Danny Ceballos has been hot and cold all season. He's off. Matteo Genduzzi might not even want to return to the club. Lucas Torreira definitely doesn't want to return to the club. So when people talk about, you know, improving the midfield, Yes, if you can find an upgrade on either of those two players, Xhaka and Partey, great, bring them in. I'm all for it. But the problem with Arsenal's midfield is that we've only got two that are any good. And and when you go beyond that and when you get into cup competitions and when you start making changes in that midfield, the drop-off from the Xhaka-Partey partnership to anything else Arsenal have, in my opinion, is significant. And, and that's the issue. Um, uh, he responds by saying... I'd, I'd play Elneny over Xhaka. That's your that's your personal preference, and I respect that, but I disagree. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, right, going to leave it there because uh, run over time and uh, I need to get back to work, but I will catch you all a little bit later on with bringing you another stream at 5.15 p.m. Uh, UK time today, so turn your notifications on um, and we'll uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing some more Arsenal-related stories and of course, Arsenal have a game coming up on Wednesday night against Crystal Palace. So we'll start our build up to that one probably tomorrow. But there's plenty more we can talk about around transfers, around where we go from here, around the manager, around the ownership, as there always is with Arsenal Football Club. So I'll catch you all a little bit later on. Until then, take care. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.